Welcome to the Pure Golf Collective. We are your hosts, Carter Bennett and John Roy. Together through this, we bring a new lens on themes of development, performance, and process. The idea of the collective is to investigate and celebrate the intrinsic values of golfers and the obsession to the purity of the game. The collective is not just who we hear on this podcast, but any person invested into growth and connection to golf. We are golfers celebrating all that is pure in the game we love. Here we are again, another episode of the Pure Golf Collective. We are on round two, episode number four. Today we got a fantastic discussion with a friend of ours, Russell Budd. Russell was a veteran tour professional playing all over the world in many different professional tours and has recently retired, moved back home to the GTA, where he is now working for the PGA and also running his own tour, the Toronto Players Tour. Today's episode is just packed with awesome discussion, learning from Russell about his experience through the golf landscape and picking up some really good insights uh, that he has to share with us. A quick note on the housekeeping picture of the week last week. Zach Juicy posted a beautiful picture. You guys should really check it out at the puregolfcollective.com form picture of the week. Get on there and share some of your favorite golf pictures. This week, Zach's taking home two hours of studio time down at my place in Etobicoke. Zach will be in touch with you and we'll arrange time for you to come down and uh, enjoy hitting some golf balls. Thanks for contributing and we look forward to many of you sharing your pictures with us. Before we get into the discussion, I think it would be great to hear from John on a quick reflection going back a number of years ago when Russell and I were both under the tutelage of John Roy. And I think it would be very cool to hear John's perspective. Yeah, that's classic, actually. You're right. So they, you guys were part of a very special group uh, back at Eagle's Nest, which was the, the first group that I had been handed um, from, from Henry, my mentor, uh, where I used to be his assistant coach or whatever. But with you guys, I, had, I was given the reins to a group of eight young players uh, that I was going to run on my own for lots of reasons, uh, part, largely because I was growing wings and, and wanted to kind of do my own thing a little bit and, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so we had like, that was, that was really, really fun for me because it was my first opportunity to kind of run the program as I'd like to run it and run the practices I'd like to run it and all that kind of stuff. And it is neat. Uh, I guess it's 15 years later. Yeah. I was thinking, um, yeah, it would have been 2007, 2008. And then you and I circled back, I guess, five years after that to kind of start yeah. our sort of coaching relationship or whatever but yeah it's 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 obviously like one of the most satisfying parts of my work is the growth of the individuals in that I work with and and, and definitely like seeing it 10 20 years later is like super interesting um Russell's a really neat story because Russell Russell was probably the top player in our group at that point he was the more provincial you know he went to DePaul and and you know did the scholarship thing and, and all of that stuff where a lot of the others you know ended up not quite at that um bumming it out over stage. at laurier yeah sure exactly canadian schools like i did or whatever and all that kind of stuff which is which is great and, and is probably the right thing for 97 percent of the people that uh, that we'll work with right so no love lost there except for to say that russell was in a special category was a more competitive player and so on i guess it's not a terrible surprise that 
you know, professional golf has, has captivated him and he's been using his skills to develop a, you know, a, a suitable tour for his peers. So on the intrinsic side, anyway, he's done, he's done really, really well and created an opportunity for a lot of people that you and I now work with um, to kind of go apply their trades and, and all of that kind of stuff, which is neat. And so he's got this beautiful uh, jump start on the PGA career um, where he sort of entered at the entry level and now players can go in and, and, and train and develop their skills and then move on to the Canadian tour theoretically or the Latin American tour where he spent his time um, and so on, which is, uh, which is kind of neat. But, and, and I guess the coolest thing, back to your question, it's really neat to see kids become men or women. So yeah, that, that, that's kind of neat to have that, I guess, longevity or uh, it's, it's a reflection piece of, of like, you know, wow, I guess I've, I've been around a while and I've, I've seen a lot of different, uh, different things over the years. It's hard to imagine that that's so long ago. Uh, that Carter was uh, that Carter and Russell and Elliot and for for our examples were just we're just young guys with with bright eyes uh you know looking to the future and and wondering you know where they where they fit and now years later you kind of see you know where they've ended up and and that that is that is a lot of fun and it's been uh, yeah it's neat I don't spend enough time it's a good question because I don't spend enough time I guess reflecting on that piece and then Russell Russell for sure for me I guess Memories of Russell, well, number one, he was a very strong player at a very young age, like at the Bantam Championships, for instance. Russell was like embedded in the field. He was the top three guy. And, but I think Russell is one of those examples of, of guys who did really well at a young age, was able to sustain his joy of the game for a long time and avoid burnout and, and such. And to the point where now he's like all in, building tours and, you know, golf, 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 golf all the time. So he's, he's kind of a cool story that way. But anyway, he, he was always a very like, independent unique dude um but at the start of it all when i first met russell he's one of those funny cases but i wasn't too sure about this guy you know he wore he wore the funny hat he he dressed a little bit differently almost like drawing attention to the fact that he was dressing differently um he had a way of of uh, a nonchalance about him that made me wonder whether or not he was in it for the right reasons and all of those kind of things and and he's a great example of you know i've made a, i've made one or two mistakes in my life um, and, and that was one of them was my, my preconceived notion of, of who this kid was going to be, you know, and, uh, and there was some, you know, some red flags, I guess, were going off in my young coaching career as I, as I met this young guy. And now it didn't take long. I, I you know, one session later after I had spent time with him actually genuinely, as opposed to just looking over the fence at him, that was all washed away. And I knew that this was a, this, this kid was legit. He loved it. He was a very interesting young man. And he had a lot of like, uh, a lot of really strong belief systems, like self-confidence and, and, um, and the, like intrinsic value in the sport. Like he, he, he loved the game for, for all the right reasons, for the history of it, for, for the, um, the challenge of it and, and so on. It wasn't just, you know, something he was good at. So, so he was doing it. Um, and that, that was, that was kind of neat. So that's, that's a big learning piece for me. I get, I think, you know, he taught me to keep an open mind and first encounters more often in the future and that 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 has certainly helped my career like to to make better deeper relationships with future generations of players um to kind of learn from that early early mistake of the preconceived notion that i might have had um you know with him as an example and i know he and i know each other well or whatever so he'll he'll have a laugh you know knowing that and mm -hmm. he knows as much and, and so on as well and he knows who he was at that age as well he knows totally you know how, how that all played out and stuff but um so that was that was sort of a cool reflection piece for me with the russell side thanks for the reflection john I'm sure it is uh, kind of cool for you to uh, look back and think about these types of things from time to time. 
And I know it uh, is exciting as a young, younger person to uh, potentially have these types of reflections in 15, 20 years time as well. So without further ado, let's get into the discussion with Russell Budd. People, especially in the golf community, uh, know, the, know the name. But maybe for those who don't, uh, could you start us off and give us a little bit, a little bit about Russell Bud, the journey thus far to uh, where you're at now? Okay, I can try to do that. So I was born and raised in Toronto. Um, grew up at Bayview Golf Country Club. Played all your typical junior stuff. Got a scholarship to DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. Had four amazing years there. Graduated. Kind of found a new love for the game of golf. Uh, decided to pursue, you know, at the time what my dream was as, you know, playing on the PGA Tour and playing professional golf. Um, and I took kind of an alternative route to that at the time. I, I decided to go play, uh, go play qualifying school for PGA Tour Latino America, which at the time was only uh, two or three years uh, after being purchased by the PGA Tour, which was formerly the PGA Los Americas, I believe. But while there were not a lot of Canadians and definitely not a lot of Americans playing down there. I played five seasons down there and one season on McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada. Um, fell in love with tournament golf, finding, learning about myself along the, the travels of Latin America um, and really saw not only my game and myself grow as, as the years went on, but I also saw both uh, McKenzie Tour and Latino America Tour really flourish into kind of what it is today um and then in 2019 in the 2019 uh right before this uh, little pandemic that we're whether we're still in it or not um <laughs> i i got offered a job by the pga tour to be a tournament official now referred to as a referee um and kind of got put on hiatus with the pandemic um, in 2020, wasn't playing golf anymore. So I actually uh, saw a need in the Ontario community in the GTA to start a golf tour for professionals, but open to amateurs as well, called the Toronto Players Tour. And since then, we've grown and we've grown a lot in two years, and uh, we continue to look to grow in the foreseeable future. Amazing, yeah. Uh... I've got to know you a little bit better over the the more recent years, especially with you kind of hanging up the sticks uh, formally and being back in uh, in the city. So I've been able to uh, watch the the growth and development of the TPT tour, which has been just incredible. In a time of uh, the most need, you kind of stepped up and and did something for a lot of guys that I think is uh, really really impactful. Um, so it's and I and I know it has been actually. I shouldn't even say I don't think it. it I know it has been. And, in a time that, uh, you know, a lot of these guys were kind of like lost and, and stuck. Um, you provided an outlet for them to, uh, to compete and, uh, and get out there and, and do their craft. You know, you, you mentioned there, uh, was the dream. You know, there was like, uh, at the time there was a dream to do this and you pursued it. So the, the dream changed and what, what's that about? I just think I, and I've always kind of lived my life this way. I, I don't ever think that there's one dream that's a, 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 a constant dream. I think you, what makes life so interesting is that what you want today could potentially not be what you want tomorrow. And I think a lot of things change maturity, 
priorities, everything's kind of changed and you start to understand your purpose um, and what, what drives you and what's you, what makes you happy. And kind of one of the things I've always, you know, prided myself on was, was following what I want to do with my life and what I'm passionate about. And I spent a long time playing professional golf and uh, that was my dream. My priority was playing professional golf and getting to the PGA tour. I was fortunate enough to qualify to play in our national championship of the RBC Canadian open in 2018. I've played professionally in over 20 countries. I, my priorities changed. I uh, got married now have a family um, and I, and I saw kind of a bigger need for, you know, what drives me, which is, you know, being home a little bit more with my family, starting a, a life that I, I enjoy. Um, and then I really saw an ability to still be in the game of golf, and, and which is something I've, I, I never lost my passion for. I just think I found a different purpose in the game. And that was, you know, whether it be coaching and helping younger players or, running a tour or, or offering them all options to play and stuff, because, you know, this whole, this whole Toronto players tour thing, it started from the most, it started from the heart. The idea was it, it was a hundred percent out of the, the good nature of my heart where I wanted to find a way. And I was frustrated with what I, what I had seen in the mini tour, not just in Canada and Ontario, but, you know, in the U.S. too, I didn't think that there was a lot of transparency for tours, and and I, I didn't think guys were getting prepared properly. Um, so I want I saw that as my opportunity to get players to the next level. And you know, we've only we've ran we've been operational for, I mean, I don't even consider the first year to be a full year because we didn't start till middle of June, and even last year we didn't start till middle of June. So we maybe got a year and three quarters of golf. Um, under our belts um, and we've already had huge success we have players now that have earned mckenzie tour status and brendan leonard and noah Steele. there's a lot and of dudes. players yeah and then we have some players that um, have had success at the next level selena costable who qualified for the final stage of lpjq school and then even from the amateur level we have kids um, that have been succeeding not just at the junior level but now at you know the NCAA level owen gowders at niagara University. Oh, we got Ben McLean to just signed with Kent State. Well, Yuki Liu, who's at University of Michigan. I, I'd like to think that you know they got some. They took something away from the experience of playing with some some better players, and uh, that's the stuff that you know drives me to get these guys better opportunities, whether it be bigger purses, better golf courses, um, and really trying to give them the experience that I think is going to prepare them for the next level and. At times it's difficult because, and this is going to be the most generalizing comment ever, but I think the younger guys don't necessarily understand what it's, what, what they need to do to get prepared for whatever their next level is. Um, mm -hmm. And I think sometimes they see, they don't understand what they do need and what the priorities are. And I, I hope at the end of the day, when they, when they finish playing called a full season of our stuff, they can see that how we did things and how we set stuff up is in their best interest of how they need to, what they need to do to succeed, whether that be golf course setup, whether that's travel in the country, whether that's different golf courses, different styles of golf, we're trying to really broaden kind of what they're, what they're going to see at the next level, what, whatever that next level is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
is that is that something that you feel is one of the differences that the TPT provided? What in uh, creating more preparation compared to the other mini tours that you uh, had been around? Yeah, so like a few of the things that we that I really pride myself on is I try to find we try to find as great golf courses as possible. We have some really good golf courses. We have some golf courses that are a little shorter and tighter. We have a, a nice variety. We also we set up our golf courses the exact same way that they will see on McKenzie tour the exact same way. And I thought when I played, I always felt that I was a step behind players because I felt that when I played mini tours at home and I had success, I, it was almost like false hope because, it, because I was not seeing what I was going to see at the next level. So I'd get down to South America or McKenzie tour and I get, I'd shoot my even par one under par and miss cuts because I just wasn't exposed to what I needed to, what I was seeing, whether it be whole locations, whether that be the caliber of the field, it was just always felt like I was a step behind everyone. Um, and we, and I, you know, it's, it's difficult because it is a business at the end of the day. Um, and when you do open yourself up to amateurs and other players, you, you don't want the easier you set up a golf course, the more friendly it is to the general public, the better experience they might have walking away with confidence and not feel like they got absolutely clobbered by a golf course. But at the same time, we see it from a different standpoint that amateurs and people that would want the experience of playing with the pros and seeing how they say, seeing how they, you know, they fare against them. They want to see apples to apples, what they would see at the next level. So, you know, whether it's a, you know, go out and shoot 95 on a golf course to know where my game's at against pros, that's kind of the experience that they want. And that's the experience we want to offer to players. You know, from the outside looking in, I think is so cool about the TPT. It's it's open to everyone, more or less, uh, you know, within a degree of uh, abilities. Um, my dad can't sign up to go play on the TPT, but, uh, you know, males, females, amateurs, pros, young and old. I know you you had one one girl out on the tour for some events. Pretty young, right? What was, what was that there? Eliana's, I believe, 13. Having access to playing at that in that type of tournament uh, at that age and that type of experience for her, you know, could uh, be very profound in her development, you know, just to just to be in that environment just at such a young age and just be like, holy cow, like this is, you know, maybe something that I want to do and aspire to to be part of and uh, excel at at some point. So it's just like so cool that a young person can have that opportunity, which definitely didn't exist before, even yeah. within the amateur world place right you know getting surround yourself with successful people that are good at what they do and do things and that's kind of the cool thing about professional about golf or professional golf is that you know just because johnny does things one way jimmy doesn't do it that does it his own way right there's more than one way to prepare you know play golf swing a golf club and um for a young female or a young male that's looking to kind of get better or even, you know, a club player that's looking to get better. Like talk about a community where you can see multiple different things and different ways, play golf course in a different, different manner to think differently. Like that's the best experience. Like it's just like when, when you're, when you hear people talk about playing with better players makes you better. Well, how about playing golf tournaments with professional golf golfers? Like you could be playing with Brendan Leonard who, 
playing on McKenzie tour this year, like anything can happen. Right. And, and that idea, that concept that it's open to anyone and everyone, I think for more than just a golf thing. And this is, this is not a Carter Bennett thing. That's going to make him happy, but you can go take a lesson and lessons are great. Taking lessons is a great tool to have in the toolbox, but also playing with better players. It could be one of the most beneficial tools to not learning, not just golf swing, but learning how to play golf. Right. And you know, that totally. better than anyone. It's it's not just about one aspect of getting better. It, it's multiple ways. And, um, learning to play golf, I think it's very different than learning the golf swing and learning, like getting better with at your game. It's, it's learning the idea of how successful players play golf. And I think that's, um, that's a really cool concept of being able to play with pros and being able to play apples to apples in a tournament with, with good players. It's a really good learning opportunity. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Believe me, you know, a learning that I had, you know, a number of years ago going to a PGA event is like just watching at how inconsistent or not that good they are kind of in oh, a way. Yeah. Like they're incredible. Obviously, you know that um, you are an incredible golfer, but they, you they hit you, crappy shots just you, like we all do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They miss greens from short distances. They miss fairways. They hit it into the woods. They do all these things, but somehow they still make pars and you know, they manage bogeys at worst for the most part. I'm and sure you realize this with all, with all of your interactions that people that don't go to events or don't play with pros, they have this unrealistic idea of how good they are. And not that they aren't that good, but they just see the players that are on TV, which is the good shots and the guys that are in the hunt. They don't see the guys that are grinding to make the cut and the ones that are missing the cut that's playing horrible golf. So it, it is kind of not humbling, but it is a good experience for players to understand that even guys that shoot 65, 66, 64, whatever, they still hit ugly shots. They still make mistakes. It's not just like when you watch TV when they're, you know, filling up the cup from 40 feet out and, and stuffing five irons from 210. Like they still hit ugly shots. It's just, it's not consistently ugly and when they do hit ugly shots the ones that are successful are able to find their way around a golf course and i don't think amateurs and and 99 of the golf community understands that they just see the stuff that they see on tv which is no one wants to watch ugly golf that that's not good exactly there's a reason they're just showing the good shots funny enough though i i actually enjoy that's why i love watching us opens because i just love seeing the guys battle it's just like oh, yeah. it's it's so nice it's like okay like this is they are human, and uh, that's kind of like what we do, although we would make it even look even worse at a U.S. Open, but that's a whole other thing. You know, kind of on that note, if there was to be uh, a skill or an asset for the the best players that you've been around, what is, what is that skill or asset that they have that kind of separates them, that makes them make more birdies and less double bogeys and finish higher on the leaderboard each week? I think it's all mindset. In my opinion, I, I think it's guys that are not afraid to make birdies. And you see this a lot more in Latin America than in North America, just because in Latin America, they don't have their, I mean, they don't have, they have, but they don't at the same time, they don't have the same accessibility to high performance coaching as we do in North America. 
there's resources, right? TrackMan and FlightScope and all that stuff. Not overly popular just because the expense is ridiculous, right? So you get a lot of guys down there that are just gamers. These guys have not necessarily the prettiest swings and they just, they're not afraid to, to, to go at pins and, and make birdies and sh- like you'll have guys down there that have the mindset that they can shoot 63 or 83. They don't care. They'd just rather not shoot 74, 74. Um, right. And they're not afraid to make birdies. And I think less amateurs and less juniors and definitely less professionals, but it's still a thing is they get to a number and then they like, okay, that's good. Like let's back off or, Oh, Oh, if I make another one, I get to, I'm at 600. Like it's the number is very scary. And I think it takes a long time to understand that, um, that it's just, you know, it's the most simplistic idea of one hole at a time, one shot at a time, like that it's the worst cliche in the world, but it, it, it is true. And these guys and, and the guys that I've found are, that are successful, they're just, they're like assassins. They're just gamers. Like they'll, they're not afraid of anything on the golf course. And that's, that's not just, tough shots that's making birdies and and more than that it's just getting it going as low as they want or as low as they can it's a, it's really a it's such a mental hurdle that guys that are successful and you see this watching on the pga tour when, or any tour when guys are trying to find their way in the wind, wind circle for the first time and they're in and they're in the hunt like it's it's just a mindset right and it's not being afraid to not succeed but just to not not get in your own way and just challenge yourself and, and do some crazy things yeah taking on some risk and it's it's i'm here to do so and if it goes good great if not whatever like we're just going to keep pushing yeah my first year at school my coach when we did qualifying and this is something that i didn't like at the time and no one on my team liked it at the time but in hindsight i think it's one of the greatest ideas that we ever had um when we did qualifying i think our qualifying was maybe eight rounds or, or seven rounds or something like that. We showed up this first, first day and we had the, I think the golf course we played at had five sets of tees And the first day we, we made par on our golf course 70. So first day we got there, we had to play from the front tees, right. From 5,100 yards or some nice. ridiculously short yardage. Right. And you had to break 70 from, from every tee to move back instead of tees. Right. You'd be shocked how many guys did not bust 70 that first day from their front teeth. Right. And it was and it actually teaches you how to make birdies. And it sounds it, it feels stupid at the time. And you think it's a joke, but it actually teaches you like at the end of the day, you're still putting for birdies and eagles. It's, you still got to convert. It doesn't matter the distance, which your short game gets a lot better. You still you learn how to score. And uh, it took a lot longer for a lot of players to get to the back deck than uh, you would imagine. And I think it was a really interesting and good learning experience. Anyone, anyone could do and should do play up all the way and have some fun and learn how to make some birdies. And uh, I think that's, it, it's a great way to get better. 100% with uh, juniors, for instance, there's something called, uh, you know, challenge 36, but effectively, in a junior league, we would uh, have the kids start from 25 yards out. And, you know, there's different ways to kind of do it. And I've, I've facilitated in, you play three holes and you got to beat 12, beat 12 or better. And you can move back to 50 yards, play the next three holes, beat 12, move back to 75 and so on. And the next week you show up for junior league, you start where you were, 
If you're at 100, you start there. If you're at 50, you start there. And the season is a progression back. But 100%, you're right. You're training more short game. You're training how to score. You're training how to how to be low, get comfortable. Like, holy cow, like I made six birdies today. I've never done that before. How does that feel? Learn about what that's like. So I, I've implemented that stuff. I recommend it to many of my players as much as, you know, the the amateur golfer kind of laughs at me when I say, just go play the yellow tees this weekend. Like, just go do that. You know, ah, I can't do that. I got to play with the boys. I got to play back on the blues, you know, all that jazz. I can't be doing that. Like, that's useless. It's like, no, like this is like, this is good learning. Like, go, go do something different. And uh, so it's really cool to hear that your, uh, your coach made you do that. And then you can reflect back on it and be like, that's, this was, this was good. This was great for my development so hopefully it teaches you how to plot your way around a golf course more than anything too because all the tighter landing areas are, are from the front is not a driver right so if you try to overpower a golf course you'll make some really bad bogeys and yeah. holes. if you just hit seven iron wedge make a pod and move on to the next just they're easy birdies but um yeah no 100 percent. it's great for any level and i think it's i mean i think scoring is fun so I don't know why people wouldn't want to score better. So it doesn't have to be regularly, but it is it is a fun um, exercise. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, very cool. What is it about golf that just gets Russell Bud out of bed, fired up? I, I didn't. I don't really know. Um, and I think now working for the PGA Tour um, as a tournament official and referee, I think it's different than playing, which is different than. Toronto players tour. I think every, there's just so much to it. Right. So, um, you know, this, even this past weekend and the thing about playing and running and working in the industry and whether it be a rules official and referee or running a tour, you make every cut, but you're always the first tee time and you're always the last. Tee time, Right. So they're really long days. So this past week, we were actually down in Mazatlan, Mexico for PJ Tour Latino America Q School. And our wake up every morning was like five o'clock, right? And that's kind of the norm, if not earlier. And every morning, like I'm brushing my teeth and the reflection of the mirror goes to the balcony and I just see the ocean, right? And you walk out and you see like sunrise. You're like, wow, like what a beautiful place. Like what a beautiful place that I get to work on a golf course, sunrise. And then at the end of the day, oh, sunset, crack open a beer and appreciate, you know, how beautiful it is with, you know, people that are passionate about what they do also. And I think what's amazing about golf is that there's so many people that are passionate about different things. So when I played, it, it's great to play with the guys. Like I love playing golf. I still love playing golf. I still enjoy competing. And now that I work whether it's Toronto Players Tour or McKenzie or Latino America, like I love working with the people I work with. Why? They challenge us. They challenge each other, you know, with regards to rules. And I think we're all, we're all in it for all the right reasons. And that's, you know, that's, that's offering players professional events, um, helping players get to the right, right level. And whether it's Toronto Players Tour or McKenzie Tour or Latino America, I think anyone that works any developmental tour, whether it be a mini tour or a PGA Tour ran tour, our goal is that we want to see players five years from now win at the PGA Tour level, right? And I think that we take we take pride in the fact that, that we try to offer, like not try, we offer them a great resource to get to the next level and prepare themselves. Something like that gets me up in the morning. And I love I love the people I work with, the, the people that play our events, 
that's kind of what what drives us to wake up and make hundreds of phone calls to golf courses and sponsors and get told no and all that stuff. It's just, it's all that, that makes it kind of worthwhile at the end. And like anything, like you have some long days, but for every long day, there's a rewarding experience um, to see a player succeed or uh, learn something about them. And it's, um, it's very fulfilling and rewarding. Nice. Nice. I don't know if you answered the question, but you answered the question kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I don't have, I guess, I guess the long story short. You're, you're not a player really anymore, eh, man? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do love, I do appreciate the beauty of, of the golf course in the game and the complexities of, of golf. It's nice. just it's very, and I think you've probably figured this out because you've, I mean, I guess you've played a little bit more the last couple of years, but when you, when you, and you know this, when you work in the industry, you don't get to play golf nearly as much as you want. And I think as soon as you take a step away from playing as much as you want, you appreciate how amazing of a, of a game it is. And totally how it's, you take a lot for granted when you play golf every day. Um, and that's something that I did when I played every day. And now I really appreciate how amazing of a golf of, of a game golf is that anyone can play it. It's so different day to day and it takes you to some of the most beautiful places in the world. Yeah. In my opinion, it's, it's a good opinion, my friend. It's a very good opinion. Because you have uh, such a, a depth of experience and knowledge for the the young pro listening, for the young junior amateur uh, aspiring to the next level, what's what's the secret? Playing golf, not spending hours and hours and hours and hours hitting the same seven iron to the same flagstick. When I turned pro, the first thing I thought in my mind was, "Man, I'm just going to sit on the range and just." beat balls. So that's all you hear about is guys mm-hmm. practicing, practicing, practicing. Oh, I think that that was the most counterproductive winter ever, but at the same time it was productive because I was so counterproductive that I learned that what I was doing, was just not the right thing. Um, and I think that players don't play enough. they spend too much time practicing when they turn professional or think that they're, that's the way to get to the next level. And I think that playing and practicing on the golf course are two completely different things. There's a, a, a need and a purpose to sitting and practicing swing mechanics and um, on the driving range, but spending two, three, four, five hours a day, just beating balls for the sake of beating balls is not doing anything with a purpose. And I think the more you get out and play and, and learn how to play golf. And um, I think that's super beneficial. And the more, you play with golfers that are better than you and are that are successful or is a better way for you to get successful. And I think that's, that's the main game. Like my first year in Latin America, I made one cut and got my butt handed to me. I played with Hank Lebiota, Adam Shank, all these guys that are playing on tour now. Well, you play practice rounds with those guys in competitive rounds. In hindsight, you start to realize what they did really well that made them successful and that are making them successful now. And you just learn. And then by after my first year, I was like, okay, so let's hit an hour and a half of really focused rain session a day, opposed to four hours of, you know, crap. And um, let's spend an hour a day or an hour and a half a day focusing on our short game and really focusing on it. And then let's play golf and focus. So I, you know, my whole thing is I would recommend for players that are looking to improve or juniors or pros, it's, whether it's an hour of a, hour of purposeful work is better than five hours of doing stuff, just going through the motions, in my opinion. And I think that's, you'd probably agree with that as would, I would assume 99% of 
successful pros on tour. Yeah. Uh, intentionality, purpose, very, very important. How, do, how did you drive purpose and intentionality out on the golf course? That's a good question. I never liked the feeling of going through the motions. And as soon as I felt like I was going through the motion, I would just be dragging myself. Right. And mm-hmm. at that point it was like, okay, let's go home. Like now you're just making yourself tired and you're not mentally there. So at that point now you're affecting tomorrow's practice. Uh, so for me, it, it, a lot of it has to do with rest and, and routine and getting in a routine. And, and I always had a plan, right. And, and having a plan long-term as to like what your schedule would be or what your expectations are of yourself, that kind of got me through practicing and, and doing stuff with a purpose, because to me, there's always something at the, at the end. Right. So for guys that go out and just play and practice, they don't, I could never do something unless I was playing tournaments and knew kind of what my schedule was. And I was fortunate enough that every year I played, I had status on some tour, whether it's Latin or Canada. So I always had kind of a a purpose or schedule or something tangible that I had to play, play towards. But the difficult thing for, for pros, I know this for amateurs too, and especially juniors that are trying to get scholarships, they put a lot of undue pressure, unneeded pressure on themselves to succeed in one tournament, whether it be a Q school or a tournament that a scout or a coach is coming to. And that's just setting yourself up for failure, in my opinion, because you can't look at if, if PGA tour pro said, Hey, this one event is, it means everything to me. Right. They would never do that. The idea of playing on a tour and being set for the PGA tour level is that you get 27 weeks or 26 events to play well. Right. So if you have one bad one, it is what it is. Right. And I think, it's it's just so difficult to see because it's not just about one event so hypothetically if they do that and they work their butts off for one event and then they they lay an egg all their purpose is out the window mm-hmm. like completely out the window so now now what you, hypothetically you go out and you practice your butt off and you have a your college coaches come and you shoot 82 82 now you you want that kid to wake up the next morning and have a purpose and go and practice and play no he's going to be completely deflated um, so that's why to me, it's all about positive mindset, having a, not sh- just a, not just a short-term plan or a long-term plan, but having a bunch of plans and having kind of a map to get you through a year, a month, six months, whatever it'd be. Beautiful. I know you're, I know Carter Bennett's all about the positivity. <laughs> Neutral to positive anyway, productive. And I'm also happen to be pretty big on, uh, plans or uh projections intentionality driving purpose so um just cool to kind of hear you uh touch on those things and you know it's it's not a surprise because these are just tools that uh successful people use and they all do uh we don't see it on tv we don't generally hear people talking about it but it is happening in the background and uh you know so it's nice to hear from you and you have seen this from uh other people at a very high level as well Especially with how we how McKenzie Tour ran this year, and it being more open to players, kind of all of all walks of life, not just members of of the tour, um, I got a chance to see that there are a lot of pros that I don't think. I think they have a lot of talent in Canada. We have a lot of talent in our players, but I saw a lack of not direction, but understanding of, 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 of a plan of where they're going. Right. And then, which is difficult because and I, you can't tell someone how to, how to do that. That's for them to find out on their own. And everyone's a little bit different. Um, 
but I was fortunate to have Mr. Blair Bursey rent our basement unit this, this summer and got to know Blair a little bit better. And I was very impressed, not just with his demeanor and his golf game, but um, that kid does everything with a purpose. Um, he's got a plan. He's got 12 plans. He's got 15 plans. He's, he's got so much drive and direction in his life and his golf game. And um, I think that he's, if he's going to succeed, which I hope he does, um, he's got all the tools that he needs to get there and not, and I'm not saying just his golf game, his golf game is good, but there's tons of people that have good golf game, but I think his, his X factor is his, his drive and that he, he's got the plan. And um, I was very impressed with when I saw that, because I don't think I'd seen that from a person or a player in a really long time. He seems like he has, he understands his direction, what he wants to do to get to the next level or how he wants to get to the next level. And that's his number one priority, which really impressed me. Nice. Nice. I'm sure he will have success with that. I got, I got a, just a couple more questions. I want to know about your best golf experience. Mm, tournament or non-tournament? I know there's a ton and it's really hard to choose. We could we could go on all day about all the cool golf experiences I know. If you had I mean, to pick playing one. In Canadian, playing in the Canadian Open is pretty cool. I mean, it doesn't get yeah. any cooler than that. Yeah, no, that's definitely it. I, 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 I think having, playing your only tour event be your national championship that's 35 minutes away from your house it was pretty awesome and, and the nice thing is, is i got to i got paired with jared detois who's a good buddy of mine and joel damon who might be the funniest best person i've ever played golf with and uh yeah definitely playing the 2018 rbc Canadian open yeah damon's a shooter right <sighs> not just one of the funniest people i've played golf with but might be one of the funniest people i've ever met in my life really eh? Yeah, I see a little bit of him around on the socials and stuff like that. Definitely seems like a, a legend for sure. Oh yeah, big big fan of that guy. Like the way he uh, he approaches his uh, his game, his golf experience in life. So um, that's cool that you got to play with him there. Was there another one that you wanted to get off your chest? So I guess it was the same year, 2018, Argentine Open, and I was 80 some odd on as the last event in Latin America. So after the event, top 60 get to keep their card. After that, um, you have to go back to Q school. And pretty much I have to finish solo third or better to keep my card for next year. I, in my mind, I had checked out for next year. I was like, ah, I'm not coming back to Latin America. Like, I think I was three over through six. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm done. Get me out of here. And I gave this, I remember I gave the score my golf ball. And he's like, it's a brand new golf ball. I'm like, it's got so many bogeys on it, buddy. You can keep it, right? <laughs> And then after that, I ended up tearing it up. I ended up finishing second, tied with Harry Higgs, lost to Cedro Benitez, um, and kept my card. And that kind of fueled me for another year of golf. But um, that to me said so much about kind of who I am as a person and a golfer that I, you know, I kind of I've, I've always always been a guy that's never had the most skill or the most talent or been the smartest guy. But my work ethic and and generally positivity um kind of always gets me to where i need to go and i think um you know i'm trying to tell my son this that and he's a little young to understand it but that you know not everything nothing in life is is given to you and everything is earned and if you have that mindset that you'll be successful and 
I think that we kind of summarize my golf career and my, my path in life is that, you know, I get punched a bunch and, um, makes me, makes you stronger for, it and you, you just, you know, keep grinding your way through it. And, um, at the end of the day, you see where your chips fall and, and that's, that's what it is. And that week really, I, I don't think, I think I've honestly, I think I was more proud of myself after that event than any other event I've ever played in. Nice. Um, detachment is a productive emotion. So you kind of just surrender to all of it. And then all of a sudden it's just like, you're out of this impatience, frustration, annoyed place. And it's just like, here we go. Like what, what else am I going to do? Right. You just got to golf the ball. Last little segment here. We do this with all of our guests. Uh, we call it rapid fire. I give you a choice of a or B you pick easy enough. I'm sure I can figure that out. Yeah. It's pretty easy. You like to take a card or walk? Walk. Go music or no music? Music. Glove or no glove? Glove. Cut or a draw? Now a cut. (laughs) Hybrid or driving iron? Uh, Hybrid. Aggressive or tactical? Tactical. Bushnell or a feel guy? Feel and Bushnell, but... Both. C. C. Links or Parkland? Parkland. And sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Wicked. Well, uh, dude, I really appreciate the time, the energy, and the insights uh, to your golf experience and sharing um, a little bit about that and giving some insights to what uh, some people really might use as inspiration to continue along their golfing journeys. Um, and also all the things that you're doing within the golf community to grow the game and support uh, the people that are are on the path of this uh, crazy pursuit. So I uh, appreciate you, man. And uh, thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I hope I hope something I said resonates with someone and helps them out at some point. Um, and I think that what you're doing is, is great. And I know you're all about community and that's people helping people and getting better and learning. So keep doing what you're doing and uh, look forward to taking your money on the golf course sometime soon. That would be my pleasure, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody had their notebook out for that one. There were some awesome tidbits and insight from the high level golf experience, but just also hearing from a voice that's kind of been through the through the ropes from elite junior golf through NCAA into professional tours, getting all the way up to the PGA tour, you know, doing things with a purpose, having intentionality, playing golf and not just grinding on the driving range, having a plan, having multiple plans, uh, being adaptable with these plans. And with all of that, creating a routine and having a process that works for you, not what the guy next to you is doing, but something that's for you. And as a person progresses from junior into NCAA and into professional golf, you can have the opportunity and experience to learn about what type of process is required to be your best more often. Uh, But I think even for us uh, weekend warriors, let's call it, we can start to navigate our golf experience in a similar fashion, start understanding how you want to enter your golf experiences, how you want to leave your golf experiences. And as you can start to strategically plan the before and afters, you can start to fill in the gaps with how do you manage that time, whether it's just the two hours of nine holes, four and a half hours of 18 holes or six plus hours being at the golf facility, 
training and playing, uh, hanging out with your buddies um, at the restaurant afterwards. All these things go into what is established and created as your your process and how you will progress towards the better version of yourself. We would really love to hear from you guys on your thoughts from this episode. Please share with us over on Instagram at Pure Golf Collective. We look forward to continue growing with you guys. And until next week, keep celebrating all that is pure in the game we love. Mm-hmm.